We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome into the Fantasy Football Mailbag, a Rotoviz podcast. This is the October 25th episode, and we, as always, are dedicated to answering all of those fantasy football questions. I am your host, Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at RandallRant. And today we are talking to Colm Kelly, who is not only the assistant executive producer here at Rotoviz Radio, not only the host of Rotoviz Overtime, but also a great fantasy football analyst and someone who has meant a lot to me personally in my development as a podcaster and an analyst. Column is what we call in the industry those who love fantasy football, want to be a part of the machine. You want to strive to be like Column. He can do it all. He edits the shows. A lot of podcasts that you hear out there for different shows, Column is behind them. What he does in his spare time is also host fantasy football shows and breakdown analysis across all mediums. He's one of the true great people in the industry. He's a must-follow on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And, of course, follow his pod with her own Sean Siegel at Rotoviz Overtime. He's the ideal person to get in here about this critical juncture, which is week eight. More than halfway done with the fantasy regular season, halfway point of the actual NFL season. Colm, welcome to the show. It's an honor for me personally to have you on the mailbag. Hey, Mike, it's uh, it's my pleasure to be here, and you're, you're far, far too kind there with your with your introduction. But um, it, it's it's been a fun ride here at uh, at Rotoviz in particular, and uh, getting to work with guys like yourself. So the pleasure's all mine. 
Colm, you're one of those people who has really just sort of taken off in the industry. Everyone I talk to says how great a guy you are, which is totally true. You're on podcast, producing podcast. You have your own show. So, of course, I want to start with the question I've asked everybody so far is how did you get started in the industry? Because I know a lot of people that are listening right now either just started writing or want to start getting involved. So just give us a rundown here of how you first started and got to the point you're at today. Uh, I, I don't really know how it all happened, uh, Mike. It's uh, it's been fun. So I guess from the very start, um, being in Ireland, uh, the NFL maybe ten fifteen years ago was a growing a growing market. Uh, as you can see with the UK games, it's continued to grow. But um, podcasts were my major way of diving in deeper to the NFL. I remember like you know maybe ten years ago or so, listening to Ross Tucker over when he was back at ESPN, and then obviously Rotoviz started up their shows with the OGs like Freeman and John Moore and listening to those shows somehow or another i find myself starting a podcast with my brother uh, to talk about the nfl called uh, overtime ireland so uh, that all happened maybe six seven years ago and uh, i i enjoyed editing shows i enjoyed doing shows i got to talk with some great guys like like sean siegel here at rotoviz a lot of the other rotoviz guys and some of the the big names in the industry and it, it all kind of just grew a little bit at a time and uh, i know you were on with pat fitzmaurice a couple of weeks ago i had pat on the show now i'm editing pat's show so little bits and pieces just link into uh things like that but it's a lot of fun but i guess a lot of people start off on the writing end of it uh, like you mentioned mike but um i've done bits and pieces of writing but uh, i find i'm better at talking than writing so uh, i i tended to stay at the podcast side of things but just uh, th- things kind of flow from one to the other, and it's hard to know where it all it all starts or ends. But it certainly is a, it's a fun time to be involved in the the fantasy football community because so many good guys out there. I know you mentioned about myself, but uh, like that's that that's too nice of you to say. But if you look at guys, I know we're going to talk about the Scott Fish Bowl in a moment. But guys like Scott Fish, who I get to interact with, and and different people around the community, it's uh, it's just a phenomenal thing to be a part of. So, and of course, talking about fantasy football is is a hell of a lot of fun. So. Let's hope it continues. Oh, it's a lot of fun. And there's so much going on, Colin. This is going to be a great episode because there's so much action and injuries and things that are developing here. This is really the critical juncture. But I do want to start with Scott Fishbowl because I feel like we have parallel teams here, at least with my team. It started slow, terrible start, losing a couple battles, was scoring a lot of points, but I've been hot lately. We have about the same record. We have about the same amount of points here. So we're trying to really push our way and make a second half push towards me making the playoffs there. Of course, Scott Fish does a wonderful job. So just talk about your team, your draft strategy, where you're at right now, because of course, these were, this is one of the drafts that started way back in the summer, right? It was way, way back a long time ago. So it's interesting to sort of catch up and see where you're at right now. Yeah, I went, uh, I went for the old Rotoviz model with the he- heavy on the wide receivers. If you're listening to my shows with Sean, you'll know it's uh, a lot of wide receiver talk in there, but we do try and dive into the, the running backs because that's where the key then is during the season on those zero RB teams. But my zero RB teams have not worked out all that well so far this year. Um, on this team, like it started off pretty positive. Uh, Adrian Peterson was in there, you know, late round dart throw to see what he could do. But, you know, Alexander Matterson of the Minnesota Vikings, I, I took him in a lot of drafts late. Obviously, we weren't sure what we'd get from Dalvin Cook. But as we know now, through seven weeks, Dalvin Cook is uh, currently one of the best <laughs> running backs in the NFL. So it uh, doesn't look like he's going to be dethroned anytime soon. But just to talk you through my, my current running backs, the uh, the one that did work out for a couple of weeks for me at the zero RB spot was LaShawn McCoy. Uh, since he got cut from the Bills and went to the, the Chiefs, but that's really tailed off in the last couple of weeks. So at the moment, I'm sitting with uh, Madison, Brandon Bolden, who I picked up of waivers this week, LaShawn McCoy and Adrian Peterson, who has a high ankle sp- 
Brain. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, that running back core is really going to platoon things here right down to the bottom, uh, and it's like a it's like a lead weight just dragging this team down. But if it's any benefit, uh, the wide receivers are pretty stacked. Uh, but that's as far as Lo- it goes. Loaded, so. loaded column. Your yeah. wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley. Now you got to be happy about Sanu being traded, right? Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty positive. The the one there as well uh, of Tyler Boyd in there. We can't forget about our boy Tyler. But again, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess down there in Cincinnati. So we'll see what happens, and we'll be talking about DD later. He's in there, DD Westbrook. But I, I kind of was uh, riding uh, with uh, with Kirk Cousins. That start of the season was very poor, but it's really picked up. Uh, Andy Dalton, as I mentioned there, you know, I was hoping for bigger things from Cincinnati. I really thought this offense would take a step forward this year, and it's really take taken multiple steps back. Uh, and I had Nick Foles from the uh, from the Jags and obviously we know he went down in week one I took a big a big shot on uh, Minshew to start off I, I think I spent like maybe 75% of my fab in week one on, on Minshew so he, he's helped me tide things over without him this team would have been done and dusted a long time ago but uh, tight end wise heavy on Zach Ertz this offseason and you know let's see if that can pick up but it's 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 been a tough slog so far for for Mr. Ertz down there uh, in Philadelphia. Yeah, Ertz has had a struggle but he's going to regress. There's going to be positive regression it's coming. So the fact that you've been able to tread water here I think is key. And as far as Alexander Madison, we just start with Carryon Johnson and Ty Johnson. Dalvin Cook has been phenomenal. Absolutely. But I really am tempted column to pick up Alexander Madison every week just on the chance that Dalvin Cook ends up getting hurt in my seasonal leagues. Because if he gets in that spot, he could be a league winner, right? Yeah, I think he could be. I, I, like, I, I was impressed with him coming in as a rookie, and he's somebody who's on a lot of my dynasty rosters. And, you know, I was thinking if things break right, he gets a shot in this offense. But I have to say, uh, Dalvin Cook, for me, I wasn't uh, big on him coming into the season. But, you know, receiving, running the ball has looked uh has looked like one of the better running backs, as I mentioned, in the NFL. So the arrow is definitely pointing up on Cook moving forward. And that, that doesn't mean that it, it doesn't change very quickly as we see with, you know, players going on IR at this stage of the season. So if you are in leagues where, like, uh, this is a league where it's an extreme example, you only have to start those two running backs. Now, I'll, I'll only ever be starting two, but getting two at the moment's uh, a little bit of trouble. But if you can get guys like Madison on those rosters just as you move in here to the later parts of the season, week nine, week 10, week 11, there's going to be definitely injuries coming along the way and if you can get some of those guys into your starting spots it's well worth a shot so don't be afraid even if you have guys that are are really probably not going to have an impact uh, don't be afraid like i mentioned with branton bolden don't be afraid to pick them up you, you definitely don't want to have uh, nobody in that starting spot so you rotate those guys in bolden's probably not a good example but guys like madison you know if you have a situation now where you've christian mccaffrey you ought to be making sure that you have some of those guys that are behind him, like a Reggie Bonifon, you know, get those guys in there in case there is an injury, because there's no real excuse at this stage of the season if they're on the wire that you don't have those backups in place. So if, if you're somebody who owns Dalvin Cook, click that button immediately on the waiver wire to get Madison onto your roster. Well, you touched on some of it, but there's a lot of fantasy news that has broke over the last week here as we head into week eight. Carryon Johnson on the IR, David Johnson, that whole debacle from week seven where we all knew Chase Edmonds was a star, but then we heard that he was going to be active. He got a couple handoffs and then Edmonds went crazy for the three touchdowns. Matt Ryan is injured. We're not sure of his status. The spread, of course, is not up yet because they're not sure of his status going into the game. Mohamed Sanu traded. Will Fuller is injured. 
injured. Emmanuel Sanders traded to San Francisco. So uh, sort of your overview here, Calm. Handicap the news for us. Who do you see as the biggest fantasy winners and losers from all of this news that has transpired over the last week? Well, I think you have to, I think you have to say the biggest winner from a fantasy perspective, I think it's going to be Cortland Sutton. I think if you're looking at who the biggest uh, winner from a reality sp- perspective, I think there's no doubt it's Emmanuel Sanders and Mohamed Sanu. If you, if you imagine Sanu waking up uh, in his, in his bed in Atlanta after that result against the Rams this past week to be told that he was heading over to the New England Patriots and similar for Sanders heading over to the 49ers. So big, big upticks in them and, and the reality perspective. But in terms of fantasy, um, it's always tough with New England. England to figure out just where that value is going to go on a week-to-week basis. So while I think Sanu is an underrated NFL player, I think it's going to be tough to trust him week-to-week in terms of fantasy. But if he goes in there and gets some of those opportunities you know, that Melvin Garden might have been getting previously, uh, we, we could have weeks where he'll definitely be worth it. But picking those weeks is going to be very, very tough to, to know when it's going to be. Sanders moving over uh, you know, in a terms to San Francisco you know, it's hard to know what's happening with this offense outside of the run game. You know, we've had the situation where Kittle hasn't had a huge amount of success this year either in terms of the top three tight ends coming off the board. The three of them have kind of disappointed. But I think... um this offense is going to evolve as the season goes on. So we'll see if he can get, you know, the targets from Jimmy G. He's definitely the main wide receiver there, but do, does being the main re- wide receiver in San Francisco turn into fantasy goodness? That's the part I'm not yet convinced on. So I think the winner from a fantasy perspective is Cortland Sutton. Um, you know, the Broncos are not that great at the moment uh, they haven't been that good for quite some time but th- there's no doubt if you vacate the targets that Sanders has and you look at the targets so far this season uh, that Cortland Sutton has has you know he has is 564 uh, yards on the season 36 catches and three touchdowns and you know you have to say moving forward the rest of the season he's bound to get double that if he can stay healthy and uh, I would say significantly more so you're looking at a thousand yard wide receiver um, moving on the rest of the way you know probably finishing up with seven or eight touchdowns if he can continue this and he's going to be the lead guy in the red zone as well so we'll see how it goes but I think if you are a Cortland Sutton owner uh, target definitely going up for him here and probably from a fantasy perspective in terms of dynasty probably doesn't change things all that much because we did think that Sanders was likely moving after this year and obviously he's getting uh, a lot older so it, it was always likely to be a similar situation moving forward but for 2019 definitely um arrow up on Cortland Sutton I suppose when we're on Sanders just have to give a shout out to, to Manny Sanders coming back from that injury this offseason yeah, I, uh, I, I, I thought I thought this was a, a done and dusted I thought we had seen the end of Manny Sanders who has been on, on many uh, many of many a roster of mine over the years and uh but definitely getting back from that injury, a big, a big, a big deal for him. And uh, we'll see how he fits in, in in San Francisco. Could be the piece that can really push them towards uh, you know a, a number one or number two seed in those playoffs in the NFC. I agree. I, I think a lot of what you're saying is trust the production. You know, Mohamed Sanu has always been sort of a wide receiver three, maybe wide receiver two week to week. Of course, Matt Ryan is injured. You want to look for players that have had a history of production. Emmanuel Sanders has always produced, right? The question was the injury. So he's moving over to San Francisco now. And as much as, Colin, I'm going to die in the Dante Pettis truther tree, uh, you know, he steps in. He's the best wide receiver there. Cortland Sutton now has had, uh, you know, a good year of production so far. So even though he ended poorly last year. So what you want is you want those veterans, right? You want those players that have produced. They will eventually get to that point, provided that they have decent quarterback play and provided that they're healthy. 
I, I think they're the secure one. I, I would think also another person that I'm sort of high on is Kenny Stills. I feel like Kenny Stills has always produced. He was down in Miami there with, with tough quarterback play. He now steps into a role with Will Fuller vacated where he could see a nice up- uptick in targets with Kiki Kute. Uh, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, I, I've always been a, a Stills guy, mainly from a baseball angle, but th- there's no doubt about it. Even when he's playing with Tannehill down there in Miami, he was able to put up, uh, you know, very, very solid TD numbers along the way, but still. Uh, you know, as a deep threat, can fill in pretty much very similarly to Will Fuller. Although I do think Will Fuller is a much better all-around wide receiver. But in terms of what they can do deep down the field, I think we're going to see a couple of solid weeks here from Kenny Stills. We'll see how long Fuller's out for. That's a real downturn. Like for a lot of my teams, if you've listened to me and Sean as well, we're, we're big fans of Will Fuller, and he's on a lot of the dynasty rosters that I have. He's on a lot of the the rosters I have as well in terms of season long. And uh, I talked about a trade I did a couple of weeks ago where I moved Fuller for uh, I got Fuller for Hooper and a second round pick and uh, obviously like that looked amazing at the time but two weeks later uh, it's looking a little bit tougher for 2019 <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I, I, I seem to uh, I, whatever it is about my dynasty teams I should just post my uh, trades online every single time and whoever has the player I acquire should probably trade them instantly because I have a, a terrible history of players within two or three weeks of those trades going down on kind of season long injuries but let's hope uh, Will Fuller's come back uh, quite quick and that looks like obviously the, the Texans wouldn't have wanted Fuller to go down with an injury but looking like a very smart trade now to have Kenny Stills in-house um, in that trade with the Dolphins. It's very difficult to keep up with all of these moves and all the news. So one of the things that I use to keep up with this is Axios.com. Sports.axios.com will deliver a newsletter to your inbox every morning. It's completely free. It's a daily newsletter. I'm able to take a look at it and really subscribe, get into the information and know it before my day even starts. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you get the best stories from the NFL, NBA, cricket, ping pong, everything in between. Axios Sports highlights those most important stats and trends and things that can give you an edge, not only in fantasy, but overall sports knowledge. You get caught up. You can go to your friend and amaze them with all the information that you know and try to really sneak in and maybe get some nice waiver pickups too. So join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up in the day before it even begins. Best of all, there's no paywall here, folks. No subscription, nothing. It's free, curated sports content that's delivered directly for you sign up at sports.axios.com again try for free sports.axios.com gives you a nice advantage there as you start your day each and every morning Colin, if we talk about Dede Westbrook, now it's somebody that both you and I loved in the preseason. I'm still hanging on that tout because Gardner Minshew has played well. Nick Foles should be back, at least in a backup role soon. So there could be some more stability there at the quarterback position. I think he could have league winning ability down the stretch. The Jaguars are a whole are interesting because Leonard Fournette has had the fantastic season, but of course the only the one touchdown. DJ Chark has been great, but he could start tailing off. So the Jaguars are an interesting team. They have a end of season schedule fantasy wise Tampa Bay the Chargers Oakland and Atlanta weeks 13 to 16 so very friendly end of season schedule sort of a consolidated offense there with Fournette and then Chark Westbrook really no tight end of consequence so what are you looking at here with the Jaguars specifically DD Westbrook do you think that some of these players on the Jaguars with that schedule could really help a fantasy team here and, and are possible trade targets even 
I think most certainly. I've been impressed with the Jaguars this season, although, you know, they probably haven't looked great at times, but more so, like we talked about this team uh, maybe two, three years ago. It's one of the best defensive teams in the NFL. We know Ramsey now is with the Rams. So there's lots of, lots of changes there, and the defense has definitely tailed off in a major way. But when we look at some of the offensive talent they have, that's somewhere where they've really improved. And I've been as hard as anyone on Leonard Fournette over the, the years since he came into the league, but he, he's having a really solid year this year, you know, from a receiving perspective, from a rushing perspective just hasn't got those touchdowns and maybe they will come uh you know as things move forward but a bit like dd he hasn't got those touchdowns either and chark as a second year player has really broken out you know somebody who i thought was likely going to be a role player you know moving into things but uh, has had huge production in his second year you know most like last year in terms of his nfl production at 14 receptions so this year is already on 33 with five touchdowns mixed in there as well so i've been extremely impressed by chark somebody who i probably didn't see coming in and having this impact in his second year I thought D.D. Westbrook would probably be having that season that he's having but when you look at them the major difference is the the you know the kind of depth of targets that they're getting and, and the particular targets that they're getting like we've seen explosive plays from D.D. Um, but in terms of like receptions he's only one reception behind Chark on the year but um, he's almost 200 yards behind in terms of catches with production at the end of them so that that's where the big thing is and then obviously the touchdowns but the, the roles could reverse here as things move forward and I'm I'm still very high on DD long term um, I'm also very high on him rest of season and uh, maybe that's because I, I am counting on him so much to get these rosters over the line in some leagues but uh, I, I still have high hopes for him you mentioned there with uh, Menchu and Foles and I think that realistically I think the team has to go with Minshew until there's evidence that he can't play at the quarterback position you know you have a rookie that's come in and done what he's done um I know you've paid Foles a lot of money but you know Foles is probably a, a two to three year co- quarterback for them whereas Minshew could be the long-term starter for this team and has already developed that rapport with guys like Chark and with Westbrook uh, so I I think I don't know what you think uh, Mike but I think they have to go with Minshew until he uh, really shows that he can't do it. So I would have him as the quarterback rest of the season. And I think having him as the quarterback does help Chark a little bit more. But I think we've seen Westbrook start over the last couple of weeks to, to have have a little bit more of an impact. But what I really think is affecting Westbrook, like each and every week he tends to be on that injury report with that shoulder injury that's kind of hindered him for a, a couple of weeks here. So I think it's going to be the thing with NFL players, it's hard for them to get fully healthy during the season. And I think that could be the situation here for Westbrook I think we could be fighting a little bit of an uphill battle to get him back to 100% but I still think there's fantasy production there for him and as these weeks go on with the bye weeks he's definitely somebody who'll be slotting into a lot of my lineups uh, moving forward for the rest of the season but what do you think on that Foles Minshew uh, which would you rather uh, see them go with quarterback in the rest of the way I like the consistency I think they have to say with Minshew he had the three weeks in a row there of two touchdown passes no interceptions really we got thrown off the scent I think as a fantasy community with the New Orleans game but the New Orleans Saints defense has stepped up here and played very very well especially since Drew Brees went down so I don't hold that against him last week a, a very decent a decent game he was the quarterback 13 fantasy a one touchdown pass, but I, I think he's been solid. He has the running ability, which Foles does not as well. I agree. I think you have to stay with him, but just in case things go south, obviously you have Foles who excels coming up and as a backup. And, and the reason I bring up the Jaguars is as you're heading here in the middle of the season, you're looking for targets and, and you're looking for players who have upside. Obviously, you're not going to be able to grab one of those top wide receivers, a Chris Godwin, something like that. But I think that Westbrook and even Chark, now that he's slowed down, are, are players that maybe some people aren't believing in. 
And that's why I target the Jaguars because I think they're gettable, right? I think that they're, they're players that you could actually trade for or look to acquire that have that upside. Yeah, no, I agree there as well. And if you look through, like, you know, the targets on the year, the lowest targets that he's had in any game is five. But, like, he's, you know, over the last uh, three weeks, he's had 11, 8, and 9. So he is getting those targets. And actually, last week was his, his highest output of the season, 103 yards on six receptions. So I think there's still still a lot of potential there for Westbrook the rest of the way. And I think some people may have given up on him based on what they thought in the, in the preseason. So if there is a Westbrook owner in your league that maybe you can toss an offer out there, he's, de- he's definitely somebody I would still be trying to lean into acquire and as you mentioned they have had a, a tough enough schedule like uh, they played Carolina two weeks ago or uh, sorry in week five which would have been three weeks ago at this stage but I, I was actually at that Rams uh, the game with the Buccaneers and the Panthers in London and this That's Carolina right. yes. defense is yeah. legit and and that uh, New Orleans defense, as you mentioned, is really legit. And they've really been, uh, I don't think they've given up a, a, a 100-yard rusher in something like maybe over a season and a half now at this stage. I've seen a stat this week. I just can't remember the exact figure, but they've really shut down the run. If you shut down the run against this Jacksonville team with Leonard Fournette, it's going to be hard to get the other parts of the offense moving. So, you know, they face Tennessee as well, who have been really stout uh, this season as well. So I think overall they've had a really tough start to the season in terms of the the, the defensive schedule that they faced. I know they faced Cincinnati last week. We were expecting major, major fireworks there, and it didn't really happen as much as we thought. But uh, I think rest of the season, there's still hope there for this Jaguars offense to put up more fantasy points. Well, let's stay with buy low here in week eight. Let's look at some players who are underachieving, but I'm wondering if you consider them still buys here as we head into the second half of, of the year. Start with Jets wide receiver Robbie Anderson. He was somebody I was very high on in preseason. He's had a murderer's row of cornerbacks that he's had to face. He had the one game against Dallas that he popped at the 92-yard touchdown reception. But, of course, last week the disaster against the Patriots, and no one did well. So I'm curious, what do you think of Robbie Anderson rest of schedule? Is he somebody who you, who you think is a, a nice buy low? I'm buying. I'm buying on the Jets' offense. I think there's a few players you've on the show sheet here, and uh, they'll all be buys probably when it comes to the Jets. But uh, I, I think you know I, I've kind of touted Darnold pretty much most of the offseason and then obviously he didn't uh, he played week one was out then for a couple of weeks so we all know how bad the Jets were there we've seen them pop against the, the Cowboys and we've seen them then have a, an absolutely embarrassing game last week against the, the Pats defense but that Pats defense is is pretty insane as they've started this season uh, we've all seen different stats bouncing around about where they would be in terms of regular fantasy players let alone defenses but I've seen a stat this week that if the offense hadn't played a snap at all this season through seven weeks they would be three, three, and one this season, and that would be just based. That would be just based on defensive scoring. So uh, that that that's pretty crazy, and um, th- there's no real surprise. It, it really was an embarrassing defeat in terms of you know how big it was and how dominant it was. But I think that this Jets offense is a, is a buy low at the moment, and I, I think. Anderson's one of those players who'll always have big weeks and then dip off weeks. He kind of reminds me while while he's not probably as quick as somebody like Deshaun Jackson, but he is that sort of player who will have those big weeks and then may put up those zero point games. But you have to be willing to ride with it uh, to get the goodness at the end of it. So we're going to have some lean weeks with Robbie Anderson, but I I think overall we'll see a, a couple of big big weeks here before the season goes. And at the end of the at the end of it all, you want to have those big spike weeks to help you get those wins. Uh, Um, But it mightn't just be every week with Robbie Anderson and the Jets, but still buy-in at this moment in time. 
Colin, what do we do with Sammy Watkins? He has the explosion against Jacksonville in week one. Then Tyreek Hill goes out with the injury. So we think that Watkins is going to have a season that we've all waited for. Some people even talked about Brandon Lloyd having like a Brandon Lloyd-like explosion when he had that big year. But it really hasn't come to fruition. And of course, he suffered through the injury. So Tyreek Hill is back. Now Mahomes is out, although he is practicing again. Sammy Watkins, is this someone that interests you rest of season? What what the biggest surprise I think that has been this season, Mike, I don't know if you agree, is that Sammy Watkins um got an injury. Um I, I really hadn't seen that I really hadn't seen that one coming. Shocking, totally I, shocking. Uh, 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 I, I love Sammy Watkins as a like as a prospect and as a player, but at this stage, it's it's almost like a like the best situation we're going to see is him being a role player. And uh, you know, you look at the guys on this you know offense as well, like McCall Hardman. They've had spike weeks. We've seen Robinson have a spike week. We're going to see players in this offense have big weeks if Patrick Mahomes is healthy. But Sammy Watkins is as good as he is. I think he's probably fitting in now as that wide receiver two on an offense, and I think he's a, he's like a, an amazing wide receiver too. But what that means for fantasy production is going to be very very inconsistent uh, moving forward I think Tyreek Hill is clearly you know the, the difference maker in this offense but what, I, what I'm really concerned about is moving forward like Mahomes has obviously made a pretty miraculous recovery even this this far we're recording this on Thursday he trained with the second team offense uh, on Thursday after it looked like his uh, season was over um, last Thursday night so I'm hoping he sits out against the Packers this week anyway so the Packers can get that one against the Chiefs but um, if Mahomes comes back healthy every piece on this offense is obviously valuable but I wouldn't be going as far as to be you know putting in major trade offers to get Watkins and and my and uh, my lineups one of the worst power plays ever that I've seen has been Melvin Gordon's with the Chargers he's back now after sitting out and he's come back and let's just say he's been less than stellar including a fumble at the goal line there last week so the Tennessee could secure the win at home over the Chargers really needed that win this week he plays the Bears team they still have a good Oakland Raider defense run defense they have to, to face twice now what do you do with Melvin Gordon uh, you you put it, you were very kind to Melvin Gordon there and how you described that situation. I, I don't I, I had a bit of a sweat going last week in, in DFS uh, with one of my lineups, so I was watching that game very closely because uh, the other guys that were around me at that time had uh, Keenan Allen on on their roster, so I was hoping that Allen would have a, a quiet second half, which he did. But Melvin Gordon actually rushed I think it was the play before that or two plays before that where he actually fumbled as well at the goal line but they recovered the fumble and they let him go again with it and then he fumbled again and lost the game so the Chargers really really did you know I I I love the Chargers and uh, my father-in-law supports the Chargers and like the Chargers charger things up more than anybody in terms of us Neckler catches that ball last week and they rule it as a touchdown and then they reverse it on replay and then they have the chance to punch it in for the first down from the goal line and then they lead to fumble and so the charges just seem to always find some way to to make a mess of it but in terms of Melvin Garden the way the charges have used him since he's come back over the last three weeks has been like you can see why they do it because it's Melvin Garden and they've got him back but in terms of how he's playing he's definitely not playing it's, it's the ghost of Melvin Garden I guess we'll say but you need to be just uh riding with Eckler the rest of the way if you're the if you're if you're the Chargers I mentioned it with Sean this week on the podcast there, there's no comparison between the explosion of the two players and how the two guys are playing so they, they really need to try and uh, get away from this uh thing of forcing Melvin Garden down our throats every, every week I saw Adam Levitan on social media talked about starting an all Penn State DFS lineup this week, which will include the next person I want to talk about, Deshaun Hamilton with the Broncos. 
I love Deshaun Hamilton. I was retweeting him running routes in preseason, which of course comes ridiculous, but I felt, <laughs> I fell into the trap because I really think he has the talent there to produce. And now he's going to have the opportunity. So with Sanders gone, is he a buy low here in a, in a, in a tough, in a tough Broncos offense, but he has more volume coming. There's no doubt there's more volume coming, but it's going to be tough for this offense to sustain, you know, multiple wide receivers. I think Sutton's going to get the bulk of the work in terms of what he's done so far and how they'll look towards him. But, you know, on the season, if you're looking at, you know, um, Deshaun Hamilton, you know, 11 catches on the season, 106 yards, we're likely to see him get an uptick in work, but I don't think it's going to be enough to have him as a viable fantasy starter, you know, in 2019. Maybe, maybe I'll be wrong on that, but uh, don't feel too bad on yourself, uh, Mike, you know, retweeting videos and, and pre season that that's what we do we we love team preseason when you mentioned when you mentioned Levitan, we have to mention team preseason <laughs> yeah of course hashtag team preseason uh, last one Devonte freeman i'm annoyed at myself i fell victim to this last week I, I thought you know atlanta's offense always rolling here come the rams they'll find a way to put up points and i wasn't crazy about the running back options in dfs but of course then Devonte goes mike tyson punches Aaron Donald and has a terrible, terrible week. But, uh, you know, we don't know the status of Matt Ryan moving forward. It could be Matt Schaub. What do you think about Devonta Freeman rest of schedule? I think um, if you look at what he's done over the last couple of weeks, it started to get much better from what we've seen like week one through kind of three or four. I think we've seen a little bit more explosion to his play, a little bit more burst, and it might just be a case of him coming back from that injury, taking a little bit longer than maybe we expected. But I think there's some positive signs there. But, you know, it is Devontae Freeman. Outside of the big year that he had the, the, the explosion where he was like the best running back in, in fantasy football, it's been pretty much this where you get some weeks where he'll put up a touchdown in 100 yards, he'll get weeks in where there's really no sign off life and Devontae Freeman so uh, that that's what we're looking at here he, he is on quite a few of my dynasty rosters I uh, don't have him on much on any uh, season long rosters um, but in terms of rest of season I think there's there's some reason to be positive because it, it has to get better than it was at the start of the season or else those teams are uh, are sinking pretty quick you know in terms of I mentioned it at <laughs> it got better over the last few weeks that was due to a little bit of a boost in the receiving game getting more receptions in there and I, I was very happy to see that uh, so that was a boost fighting with Aaron Donald probably not as much of a boost uh, you need to know no. when to pick those fights and, and, and Aaron Donald isn't isn't the one uh, to be starting to be starting fights with I don't think <laughs> I, I admire I admire the moxie, okay, but probably I would not yeah. be placing a bet on, on Freeman Freeman on that one. I have to tell you, Kyle, I can't wait to get your answer to this one because, of course, you're over in Ireland. I've asked everyone, what's your favorite American band of all time? I, I mentioned earlier Pat Fitz's pod as well that you did a few weeks ago. I think I heard you on the head show saying that you, you stole this question from him. So totally uh, did. I, I feel yes, like, <laughs> I feel I feel like I'm on his show now. But um, when we look at it, you, you said um, the best American band. So if I was saying the best band of all time, I'd be saying U2. So fellow Irish band. Sure, here. of course. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm a big, I'm a big U2 fan. I've seen them three or four times in, in concerts. So a big fan of theirs. But if I was going for US, probably for for my flavor in music, I'd probably probably be going uh, for the red hot chili peppers um, oh great one yeah. oh that's my favorite I, yes <laughs> yes I, I don't know. It's just it's just kind of my my age group. Though you know they, they were a lot of popular songs in my teenage years. So um, another band I would have been like when I got in like maybe 
early teenage years, I was big into bands like Metallica or, you know, uh, Guns N' Roses. But I think long term, the one that has stuck with me out of the US bands uh, for a long catalog of songs would be the, the Chili Peppers. Oh, that's a great one. Pearl Jam, Chili Peppers, all outstanding. Yeah, that's a that's a great, great call. I can't believe we haven't mentioned that one yet. Excellent. I have, a, I have a question here from a listener, which is topical because of Jarvis Landry basically guaranteeing a win over the Patriots right before we started recording this. Browns fan says, call me crazy, but the Browns schedule has been really tough, very front-loaded. They have a pretty good fantasy rest of season schedule, which includes Miami, Cincinnati, and Arizona down the stretch. We know Baker Mayfield's been terrible, but of course, this sounds like a Browns fan. They believe, can he be a solid QB one or should I be looking elsewhere and not hang on for the rest of the season? Man, if you think where we were going with Baker Mayfield in the off season, um, in terms of you know his ranking at the quarterback position, you know he was top kind of three uh, in all formats, and um, I I really have no Baker Mayfield in, in any format based on where he was going uh, this season, and I I don't have many of my dynasty rosters either. I do like Baker Mayfield, but this season has been really bad, and there's been a major regression in year two. You know, a lot of the Rotoviz guys will talk about the, the second year progression. Blair's done a lot of good work on it for the second year progression of players at the quarterback position and that's why I'm so kind of high on, on Darnold where, what I saw kind of in the second half of last season moving into this and like Baker, Baker Mayfield we should have seen similar leaps forward and I guess both of them are having a bit of a sophomore slump and that, that can happen as well but it's very, very hard to trust this uh, offense rest of, rest of season after what we've seen at the start. But there's no doubt it does soften up. And this week's going to be a very tough week as they face the Patriots. And, you know, you're after mentioning Landry guaranteeing a win. That didn't work too well for the Philadelphia Eagles last week against the Cowboys. So we'll see how it works this week for the Browns. But I'm expecting a Browns loss this week. But I do think if you are ready to buy on those Browns and, you know, it's bound to get a little bit better for them. The, the real guy on that offense that I would want in my lineups is Nick Chubb outside of that I would take flyers and all of them um, obviously we know what Odell Beckham can do but I, I would be hesitant to pull the trigger on Baker Mayfield but I'm pretty sure you could get him uh, with with not a huge uh, ransom to get him on board your team if you if you are that Browns fan it's nice to have your own quarterback in the lineup if they're, if they're doing well but it's going to be a tough one here for for Baker Mayfield but I think it's always interesting like this, uh, Mike, when you have somebody like the Browns. If you're planning to buy into the Browns, do you buy in heading into the Patriots game or do you buy in heading out of a, a loss against the Patriots, you know, where people, other people might start to think about how the schedule is going to get better? How do you make that decision? Do you decide to go this week and get them or do you decide to wait? To, there's even more, even more dust on the grave. There's a gambler part of me that I can't hold back. I would rather be a week early than a week late. So I've been picking up in my seasonal league, Sam Darnold across the board. Now, look, I know that I'm not going to start him this week, you know, against Jacksonville, probably not. I'm going to go elsewhere, but I do like that schedule. So yes, if I, and I do think Mayfield can turn it around. My biggest concern is I just wish they, they let Todd Munkin call the plays because I think things would be better. But yes, I, I think Mayfield can really step up here. He's a competitive guy. I would be fine taking him a week early. Probably wouldn't start him against the Patriots, but yeah, I take him early, right? I mean, you'd, if you believe in him, you're going to go down with the ship. You don't want to miss out on him because he has three touchdowns and somebody else grabs him a week after, no? That's exactly what I would say. You, you go for him ahead of time because things could get worse. Like, what are you really going to save in terms of value of buying him if he has one more bad week? The, the problem is, like you mentioned, if he actually goes out and has a good game against the Patriots this week, the value or that window shuts closed. So uh, really and truly what you said there is spot on. Go, go away 
week early if you miss out you miss out you know in terms of making a mistake in value that, that's going to happen no matter what you do there's always going to be mistakes uh, but if you make less mistakes make more <laughs> good decisions than bad decisions hopefully you're going to win uh, come the end of the season well, Colin was smart enough to found his fantasy teams on the belief that Baker Mayfield may not be worth the value. And Endo Chino was founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. We look better when we have a nice suit on and we feel better as men about ourselves. I love using Endochino, world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. Everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Best part, I find that they're so affordable. Almost all of the custom clothing, custom clothing is under 400 US dollars. The process is simple. So you choose your fabric, you pick your customizations and submit your measurements. And that package comes straight to your door in just two weeks. I love getting the doorbell ringing, knowing that I'm going to have the package here. You get measured and design your suit at the nearest Endochino showroom. You go online, Endochino.com. Start your style upgrade now. You get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Endochino.com when you enter Blue Wire at checkout. Shipping is free, of course. I hate paying for shipping. They do a fantastic job with that. Endochino.com. Promo code is Blue Wire for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. That's an incredible deal made to measure clothing, which is so hard to get. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing. It doesn't fit. So check it out at Indochino.com. Column, it's DFS time. Week eight is on the horizon. I say this every week. I am firmly ready to win the million dollars in the Millie Maker. Okay. And so I'll give you a cut of this. If you give me some good tips, I'll give you a cut. We'll have a nice party over in Ireland. Look into your crystal ball and give me a couple DFS tournament gems at each position. So we're looking for guys that maybe have a little bit of a low ownership that you think could really pop here and give you a nice value here in a Millie Maker or something like that. Who do you like at week eight in DFS? it's gonna be a kind of a strange week this week um and i haven't really looked into the the ownership really yet i usually dive in mainly to kind of around friday uh start to get into things you know when you have a clear picture of uh who's who's out who's in who's likely to play those kind of things but when we look at the quarterbacks this week i found like the top end of quarterbacks i think will be all pretty heavily owned this week in terms of gpps if we're looking at it from that angle a couple of plays that i think could be interesting um you know i think matthew stafford's having a quiet under the radar really good season in terms of what he's done over the last couple of weeks and you know losing last week as well in terms of the Lions I think it might be just a little bit under the radar but they're playing the Giants this week and pretty much everyone's got going against the Giants uh, also we we know like what happened last week with Jones Marvin Jones putting up the four touchdowns but Kenny Galde is pretty much getting blanketed coverage and that's what's keeping him out in some of those games but I don't think the Giants can do that so I think somebody like uh, Stafford could be an interesting play this week uh, it's it's interesting you know if you look all the way down to the bottom of that quarterback list uh, you can see guys like Ryan Tannehill in there I wonder just is there a possibility to, to slot him in if you're really trying to be a contrarian play uh, I'm not all that confident as of yet but I, I'm sure when it comes to Sunday I'll have a lineup or two based around uh, the pass catchers and Ryan Tannehill down there in, in uh, Tennessee with the titans but you mentioned earlier that you don't think you're going to start darnell this week in that jacksonville game against the jags but this show seems to have a, a heavy jags versus jets feel in it so far as we've run <laughs> through it and, and i i do think that 
Um, I, I think Darnold against the, the, the Jags or Minshew against the Jets. I think this is a game that I'm going to try and, and stack up in a couple of ways with a couple of kind of lineups based around both quarterbacks. So I have a feeling early at this stage of the week, this is a game that I might be, might be locked into. Both defenses aren't all that hot and, and both offenses have shown flashes at times. So, and with what happened, the Patriots and, uh, the Jets on, on Monday Night Football. Like anytime there's a prime time demolition like that, it tends to lower ownership. So I think guys like uh, Darnold and we'll get on to who, who the stacking options might be later. But I, I think Stafford and, and one of the quarterbacks uh, out of that Jacks, Jacksonville Jets game is the way I'm probably rolling a quarterback this week. You know, I, I, I know most people are going to go for Wilson and Watson. I mean, though, they have good matchups. They have the Konami code, the rushing ability. So I love it. I, Darnold would be a stretch for me, but Minshew is someone I'm definitely going to have in there. And listen, I have no shame with Ryan Tannehill. Here come the Bucks. <laughs> they have a terrible pass, pass defense. Tannehill's serviceable and the price is right. So I, I, I think those are great calls. What do you think at running back here? Running back, what do you think uh, a, a low, cheap sort of upside play could be? I'm still hoping that there's life left in the legs of Todd Gurley. I don't know if that's going to be the case really and truly, but we've seen a couple of plays over the last couple of weeks. Like the touchdown catch he had last week was was very impressive against the the uh, Falcons. So I, I think that, again, probably won't carry huge ownership. We'll see how it goes later in the week. But I, I tend to have one kind of top, higher tier running back and then one lower tier. And I think he's kind of in the middle of those two tiers. So depending on how the rosters stack up around that, uh, I, I might slot some Todd Gurley in there. But I, I do think this, this there is there is the touchdown upside there with him, even though he isn't playing that great at the moment. I think the touchdown upside's there. And of course, at the end of the day, touchdowns are king. So, And I think we could see a situation where the Rams are putting points on the board and that could lead to uh, potential scoring opportunities for Todd Gurley so slotting him in there as well I am curious with your wide receivers are you going to stack them are you th- considering like a Corey Davis stack with Ryan Tannehill who do you like at the uh, the wideout position See, I, I think if you could do, if you did go that way you'd be getting your quarterback uh, and your your wide receiver to very low uh, ownership likely and a very low cost so you could really stack up around that with you know high-end talent and um, what, I, what I try and do is like have a team that I, I'm pretty confident in like you're trying to win a GPP you want to have a lower ownership and you want to also have the ability to stack those players so while that's probably one of the ones really outside of the realm of what i what i want to do that's why i'd probably be looking at that lineup like the the, the gpp i had a good run in this past week was actually the the listener league for the for the edge podcast for um draft kings with avon Levit- with levitan and uh the team over there and um I actually had Aaron Rodgers in that stacked with uh, MVS. And, oh, that'll uh, do. With, yeah, that'll do fine. <laughs> yeah, and, and Rodgers was actually 0.9% owned in that league. And that was down to the fact that, you know, we had the injury news heading into the weekend. And that was a team I put together very, very late on Sunday after the actives came out for the Packers where MVS was active. So things like that are things that I, I tend to try and stay very close to uh, and make those decisions. So you want to have lower ownership because if those guys go off, there's pretty much no chance that the other guys guys are going to have them and then if you can have the studs around those guys it's really going to help you but in terms of who i'd be stacking like if i was going for those lineups that i mentioned at the start like i think you could like what i've done a lot this season is kind of try to triple stack teams so you're going with like crowder and anderson and darnold and then trying to take it back with somebody like westbrook or chark and then similarly if you do it the other way on the flip side go with Minshew and then his two guys and follow it back with somebody like Anderson. Um, you know, guys that I love to slot into lineups each and every week without any fail or without any question on what I think is going to happen is Kenny Galladay. I, I, like I put him in every week, even after la- 
last week's uh, poor, poor outcome. He'll be going back into some lineups this week. And somebody else that I like to get in there as much as possible is my, my guy, John Brown. Uh, Smokey uh, every week has the, has the upside there and he's playing very, very well this season with the, the Buffalo Bills. So a couple of guys there that you could st- slot into lineups. And like I mentioned with the, the Jets or the Jaguar stack as well as if you're in the Titans, I don't think those guys are going to be that highly owned. And I don't think as well that they're going to be that costly when you look at their, their pricing. So I think it gives you an opportunity then if you wanted to go for high end uh, running backs, if you want to go for one of the top tight ends, one of the top defenses, you can do that when you go with that kind of structure of your lineup. Smoke Brown's a great one against a poor Philadelphia defense there. I think it's going to be a close game, but certainly he's going to have some opportunities. And give me someone at tight end. Is, is it this the week where the top tight ends get their revenge? You know, Kelsey with Moore, Kittle, uh, Ertz. Who are you thinking at a tight end? Are you going a little deeper than that with Mark Andrews on a bye? Well, well, I, I try to go a little bit deeper, but uh, I think those guys, if I was going for the rosters that I'm mentioning here, I think I'd be going for one of those top tier guys because the, the target volume's there and we get those opportunities, you know, to, to get consistent targets and then hopefully get in the end zone as well. Somebody with a, an upside, and I know we talked about it for multiple weeks about the Cardinals and their struggles against tight ends. Well, Jared Cook gets the tight ends this week. Uh, I believe he had a touchdown last week against the Bears. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's playing pretty solid. It could be a high pace game. Jared Cook's never one of my favorite fantasy players. So this was me trying to to dive deep to see who we could get on that lower end of the the tight end chart. But I, I think this week, as you mentioned, is uh, get get those studs in at the tight end position in DFS. Yeah, the, the tight end play against the Cardinals has been automatic. Of course, last week Ingram gets hurt. Red Ellison gets the touchdown, of course. And listen, Gurley over the pond against the Bengals. The Bengals have really struggled. Gurley, as we know, may not be right, but it may not matter, Colin. I mean, look, and look, Sony Michelle only had 40 yards against the Jets, but he got the three touchdowns. So if Gurley gets those goal line looks over in the pond with against the poor Bengals team, you know, they're going to play fast also. So there could be a lot of points there in the game in London. So I, I, I Gurley is not one I would say that needs a lot of yards i think we just need those red zone touches right yeah that, that's exactly what i was getting at with, with him and i i think we are going to see a game this year where he has a bit of an explosion in terms of yards as well so i want to be on that train when it when it takes off i think i know the answer to this next one i'm a jim martini guy tj hernandez came on talked about the aversion ipa so i'm asking everyone i'd like to know i'm going to guess it's whiskey but what's the drink of choice in the column kelly household on a friday night it's definitely not whiskey. I, I'm I'm not a good whiskey drinker. Um, I actually, it's funny you mentioned TJ and uh, his aversion to IPAs. We had a, a running joke uh, with him doing the IPAs and pouring IPAs down the sink and everything over over a couple of seasons. And uh, I always said that if if I ever met up with him, that he would owe me an IPA. So I was actually in San Diego in holidays uh, and on week two and uh, met up with TJ and uh, we went to a bar, watched all the games week two, and uh, I actually had TJ end up to to buy me a couple of IPAs. So. Uh, <laughs> a really, really fun one there. I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy a couple of IPAs indeed, but uh, I'm probably like yourself. I, I like uh, gin and tonic, maybe gin and gin and soda water or, or vodka would be the way I really tend to go. Uh, I enjoy vodka or gin, uh, either of those, but it just depends. Depends what the mood takes me on. All right, let's go to fantasy football momentum time. Colin, will these players keep the momentum from week seven? So let's assume half PPR. Just want to get your quick thoughts. Zach Pascal, seven targets, six receptions, 106 yards and two touchdowns for the Colts there. How do you think he's going to do this week? Will he keep the momentum going against Denver? 
We kind of hit on him on the the overtime podcast this week. He had a lot of buzz going from uh, last uh, last kind of preseason with the beat reporters, and that kind of was a drum that banged quite loudly. And he's had a bit of a rapport here with uh, Jacoby Brissett, and throughout his like his career so far, uh, three of his best performances in terms of fantasy production have been over the last kind of four or five weeks. So uh, there is a little bit of smoke there, whether it leads to to become a, a full on fire, but uh, definitely somebody to keep an eye on as we move forward here. And if you can, you know. I wouldn't be splashing a huge part of your waiver budget on him. I know waivers have passed, but if he's on the waivers as you head into the weekend, I would definitely be trying to get him on the back end of your roster. My crazy but somewhat plausible preseason hot take was I thought Dallas Goddard could outscore Zach Ertz. Now, did I really think it was going to happen? Probably not, but I think he's very talented. And my, it was based on the fact that I know that the receiving core is thin. Alshon Jeffrey is not a wide receiver, one getting a 100 you know, balls every year, receptions. So I thought he could make, you know, a, a definitely an impact. And with Nelson Aguilar not laying out anymore for receptions, certainly to make it a few more. Uh, he tallied four receptions, 69 yards, got the touchdown against the Cowboys there in that big Eagles loss. Can he possibly maintain tight end one production rest of season? I don't think so. I really like Dallas Goddard as a as a tight end, um, you know. But the problem the problem with this is I have a couple of rosters actually with Ertz and Goddard in terms of dynasty rosters, and uh, you know I'm starting Zach Ertz every week, and there's nothing really happening there. And then you you have the situation where we might have a situation where we want to start Goddard ahead of him. So we'll see what happens. But rest of season, I don't think so. But I'm really hoping we see a, a little bit of an uptick here from Zach Ertz. It is unusual, you know. Him and Kettle have really underperformed. You know what we expect to happen with Kelsey has been a lot lower than what has actually happened so we're bound to see some sort of a positive regression with those three tight ends as we we go forward it has been amazing to see how disappointing they've been through seven weeks in total now another one that's been frustrating for me is Latavius Murray I was a huge preseason Murray truther I didn't think Sean Payton would give Kamara a full load I remember hearing uh, Evan Silva said he talked to to Sean Payton, they had a couple drinks, and he had, he made the inf- sort of suggestion there that Kamara's a little soft. But sure enough, Kamara's been dominating the touches. Then he goes out, and of course, here comes Murray. I didn't think he would trust Murray finally, but in that second half he did against the Bears, crushed it, 150 total yards, five receptions, two TDs. What is Murray's value when Kamara does return? It probably goes back to something similar to what we've seen before. Maybe the Saints do be a little bit more cautious with Kamara, but I think when Kamara's in there, they're going to roll with him. They just have to, you know, be a little bit cautious because they don't want him to, you know, have an injury come the end of the season. I think you're probably going to see, you know, a, it's still going to be kind of a an eighty twenty split, maybe a, a seventy thirty split. But I still think the heavy workload goes to Kamara, unless there's a true Kamara injury and he's out for a long period of time. I think we we can't really trust Murray. But if, if Kamara's out, I, th- I think you can slot him in there with quite a lot of confidence because this team's going to try and run the ball uh, to, to keep things moving with Bridgewater and their quarterback. But who knows? Maybe we get Breeze back uh, this week and they have the bye next week. So let's see what happens. But um, Murray, very impressed of this past week against the the Bears. And the last one here for momentum is someone who is still on the waiver wires for most leagues, Anthony Miller. Very under the radar play. Did have the seven TDs as a rookie. Slow start this year. Taylor Gabriel popped there with three touchdowns against the Redskins. But Miller had nine targets following the seven targets the week before. He only had five for 64 in the loss to New Orleans. But he's the slot target. Mitch Trubisky likes his slot targets. And he may want to throw some more short to intermediate route passes given what happened last week. Do you think Miller's a possible sneaky 
waiver wire wide receiver three pickup. I'm just going to ask you this question. What, what's the biggest negative on uh, Anthony Miller so far in his NFL career? He got injured or that Mitchell Trubisky's head terrible? I don't know. Take your pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky's his quarterback is definitely <laughs> the biggest. <laughs> I think like, you know, I think Miller's a, a pretty, pretty solid player. If we can get him, you know, a solid quarterback, uh, you know, the biggest problem with this here is that I would be picking up Miller if you have problems at your, your wide receiver core and put him in there. Like I mentioned earlier, it's going to cost you nothing to get him on the roster if he's on waivers. And if he doesn't work for you, you just cut him after a couple more weeks. But my biggest takeaway from Miller is the quarterback situation. And I, and I just wish that Alan Robinson could get a chance to play with a good quarterback, whether that's in Chicago or wherever that is. If, if we could see a trade happen for Robinson to go to a better team with a better quarterback, uh, I would just, like, cause I have no doubt about Alan Robinson's talent and uh, he, he's putting up numbers with Trubisky there. And, you know, I could just imagine the numbers he could put up if he had a, a solid quarterback thrown on the ball. And we saw Mohamed Sanu's reaction. He went to New England. Imagine if that was Alan Robinson, what the community <laughs> would do. Colin, what's the best Christmas or birthday gift you ever received as a child? I think uh, when I was about like, it might have been around when I was about 12 or 13 years old, uh, the PlayStation 2 came out. So a lot of my friends would have got it kind of around that summer. Uh, so I was kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. But myself and my brother got it to, to share uh, at Christmas. And I think that's one of the ones I remember that it was a major gaming upgrade at the time. Uh, the PlayStation 2 now, if you played it, I don't know what the graphics would be like, but at the time it was pretty epic. Absolutely. It's been a common one for us. Sega Genesis, PlayStation across the board. Uh, question here about potential pickups. And I've tried to make the show here about waiver wire pickups or players that, you know, can help your team down the stretch. So question comes here about the Dolphins. And listen, I know that there's not a lot of fantasy value in Miami, but the waiver wire is thin. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick has those games where he can put up points against anyone, almost pulled the upset against Buffalo. So person here wants to know, do you see any possible value in a Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, even dare I say that, Kenyon Drake, or even Mark Walton? Is there someone here, if a couple more injuries occur and someone's thin at running back or wide receiver, that could maybe plug in for a couple games in a row? Because there's always negative game script in Miami. I get that. The the Devontae Parker breakout might still happen, but uh, we can't we can't hold our we we can't hold our breath any longer. But uh, Preston Williams has had a few you know spots this year. Devontae Parker's always going to have a few plays here or there. But this team it makes little to no sense to me. This team does not want to win. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick has nearly led them to a win in the last two games. I, I think they probably should have Josh Rosen a quarterback uh, because they want that number one overall pick come the end of the season. But I think like even from uh, seeing what you have with Josh Rosen, you should have him in the lineup. But when this question isn't based on Josh Rosen, it's based on Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think if you're looking at it, none of these for me are in play in season-long leagues unless you're really, really stuck. Uh, but in terms of the wide receivers that you mentioned, I think both are GPB plays that have a possibly have a possibility to, to help you to take one of those lineups down because they're going to be lower ownership. They're going to have a chance to put up points. They're likely to end up with zero points in your lineup. But they're the sort of plays that, that could push you over the edge if all things went to plan. So outside of uh, Daily Fantasy, uh, they're not ending up on my rosters, I don't think. We're going to move to our Week 8 Lightning Round, which is sponsored by FFB Cast. FFB Cast is fantastic, folks. Records custom podcasts for your fantasy league. They have special for, for recaps here the last few weeks. You can have someone come on. You can have experts sort of tape something and talk some trash and make fun of your opponents here. Really amplifies your seasonal leagues. They have a quick clips episode for a video option where you can live stream a recording on a Twitch channel after each week. It's perfect as we get to the fantasy playoffs 
playoffs here and you really want to solidify, maybe you can get a little advantage, get inside the head of, of your opponent. So FFBCast offers the opportunity to hire those industry experts to make guest appearances. Please follow them on Twitter at FFBCast. Check them out on Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and then head over to www.ffbcast.com today. You can really look into getting those custom podcasts and get some great videos here. It's going to be fantastic and can really help you really remember and and savor a fantasy championship as you get down the stretch. So let's go to the week eight uh, lightning round. Assume half PPR. Just looking a column one or the other. Who do you like better this week in week eight? Better opportunity to bounce back. Devontae Freeman at home against Seattle or David Montgomery, who was terrible last week at home against the Chargers. I mentioned about the Saints run defense. So Montgomery's probably the play here, but I'm going with Freeman. I think there's a bit of catching up to be done in this game against Seattle. So get Freeman in those lineups. Uh, How about two road wide receivers who are in tricky spots? We have Tyler Boyd over in the pond against the Rams there in London or DJ Moore coming off the bye against a really quality San Francisco defense. I'm going for Boyd. Uh, That 49ers defense is no joke. I don't know how many passes Kellen Moore will get to throw this week. Not not Kellen Moore, uh, Kyle Allen, sorry. Uh, Kyle Allen, yeah. And and the thing is, Cam Newton is ready, but Kyle Allen, he's going to be pressured. That's for sure. So we'll see how he does against against the – the pressure of the Niners wide receiver. We talked about this one before Corey Davis at home against Tampa Bay, obviously a good matchup or a better pedigree wide receiver in Odell Beckham against that stifling Patriots defense. I would have to go OBJ Um the better matchups uh, Davis, but if you have OBJ on your roster uh, and you have Corey Davis, there's no doubt which one you're starting this OBJ. Better home running back, Marlon Mack at home against Denver. He kind of disappointed last week a little bit. Or Ty Johnson stepping in for Carrion Johnson at home against the Giants. Uh, Marlon Mack, uh, home favorite, is where, where Mack tends to have his good days. And I think there's a bounce back coming this week. And then better tight end play, Hunter Henry on the road at Chicago and a must win for the Chargers. Or Darren Waller going against the Texans, but they are the top team in limiting opposing tight ends these are really every one of these is very close Mike you've done a tremendous job here it's basically who you play and the, the better matchup is the one that we're going for in a lot of these and, and Hunter Henry is a better matchup against the Bears defense you've been to a myriad of sporting events you mentioned that you actually went to one of the games uh, over in London recently I want to know what's the best sporting event you ever attended in person yeah that that, that one in London was pretty cool uh, itself uh, D- DraftKings uh, <laughs> hooked me up with some VIP tickets at the 50 yard line so that, w- that was pretty sweet um, to, to see that game but um, the, the, the probably the biggest thing was uh, in terms of a sport that some of the listeners are probably not familiar with at all uh, the Gaelic football which is one of the games here in Ireland it's a native game uh, and my my country actually won what's called the All-Ireland Championship. Uh, They hadn't won it for 20 years, so I was three when they won it the first time, so I had no memory of that. Uh, They won it in 2012, so I got to to go there. There was uh, 82,000 people at the game, so that was a pretty epic one when when they managed to bring it all home. Oh, that's tremendous. 80,000 people, of course. It's nothing like that. It's, it becomes a, a memory, a solid, solid memory event. Column, you've been amazing, of course. Great information, great insight. So many fantastic nuggets here that we can use moving forward. One last question. 
This is week eight. You have a lot of the players who've been drafted early that some fantasy owners may be hanging on to. Now, there's some players maybe who can get it together and has some positive regression, but there are others who people should just cut the cord with. Don't hang on too much longer. Who is the player that you think in the first round or two that really had a lot of hype? And you know what? Whether they've popped a little and then they faded or they've never really got going, who's the player that you would recommend to people? Listen, in seasonal leagues, I think you have to cut bait because it's just not happening. I, I, I had a kind of trick answer to this one, Mike, for you. D- does Antonio Bryan count for this one? <laughs> he, boy, he's just got to go away. I don't know who's worth calling him or Des Bryant. I mean, they're gone. That's it. They're still on Twitter. They're putting enough with the emoji eyes. I'm not buying it anymore. I just don't care. Well, at, at least, uh, at least as Brian doesn't seem like he's completely lost the run of everything that has ever happened to him. But, uh, Antonio Brown, obviously, if you still have him on, on your rosters, get cutting. But I guess I, I mentioned we'll finish up here with a tying it all in the bow and the Jets offense. Uh, I think Le'Veon Bell is somebody who rest of season, I think we're going to see the, the Jets offense start to pick up and the quarterback situation, even though it didn't look like it this past week, is going to be improved. And I think Bell is somebody who could be a solid running back down the stretch here if you can't acquire him. Folks, Colin Kelly, just amazing. Assistant executive producer here at Rotoviz Radio, host of Rotoviz Overtime there with Sean Siegel. It's a must listen to. It's on my rotation. Must follow him. Great guy overall. Everything he does turns to gold, and he's fantastic on Twitter. So follow him at Overtime Ireland and, of course, the pod here at Rotoviz Overtime. Colin, it was a pleasure and an honor to have you on. Great insight here. Can't wait for week eight as we're headed quickly towards a fantasy playoff season, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it's all going to get to fantasy championships at the end of it. And uh, thanks for the kind words, uh, Mike, but I have to shout out for yourself as well. Uh, you know, you've been, you've been working with us for quite some time and uh, it was a pleasure to, to, you know, help you kind of progress along the, the editing side of things. But uh, one of the most professional guys I've, I've worked with in, in any podcast setting uh, across the board and uh, always, always ready to talk fantasy. So uh, you're doing a tremendous job here. Uh, once again, thanks for having me on the show. You are the man, sir, for that. And when I win the million, you just increased your cut by a little <laughs> bit for that. Thank you. No, no problem. Let's all, let's all go win that million this week. Thank you for listening to Rotoviz Radio. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Fantasy Football Mailbag of Rotoviz Radio feed. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio and at Randall Rant. Make sure you tell a friend and don't forget to sign up for a 10% discount on our podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. It's a no brainer, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.